0: Podcast Answer Man, episode number 274. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet released that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. That's right, my friends. And for me, taking things to the next level is to make sure that I never do what I did in the last episode ever again. Oh, my goodness. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to give everybody just a little overview of some of the things that are going to be talked about in this episode so you can make a decision right away whether or not you wanna stick it out just in case I get boring talking about something that you don't wanna hear about. So here we go. First and foremost, I am going to give a little bit of an overview of how I feel about uh, the answering of an overly technical question that isn't well-suited for audio explanation. I will be talking about my upcoming podcasting A to Z course just briefly. I will talk about the Apple uh, the Apple patent story that just came out. Basically, Apple wins a patent for techniques and systems for supporting podcasting and what that might mean. Uh, let's see here. We also have uh, a topic here that uh, where I want to ask you are you creating life changing content? Do you realize the power that you have with your voice and your microphone? And the importance of just one listener. So, I've definitely got a story I want to share with you today a call, an email that came in, uh, something to really support this idea of are you creating life changing content? So, I, I, I'm really excited about that. Then, uh, standing by is our social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher, for another social media segment we are going to be talking about Twitter, it's changed to the API, and whether or not everybody's going to end up leaving this service one of these days as a result of these changes. We'll see. Anyway, I'll give you a brief update on how things are going on my end now that I've switched every single computer that I own over to Mountain Lion, the newest update uh, for the OSX software for Mac or Apple computers. And then, of course, I'll wrap up the end of the show with my normal thank yous to everyone. So that's going to be what's included in this episode. And uh, the first thing I want to start off with is the feedback that I had received from episode 273. I had asked at the end of the episode, hey, can you tell me what you think about this? And here's what I got, an overview. Uh, By the way, just for those that are just tuning in for the first time, in episode 273... Right around, I don't know when it was, about halfway through the episode, I ended up taking a question from a member of the audience, uh, from the community, and they had asked, you know, hey, I want to be able to do a podcast where I bring in two different people separately. I want them to hear each other, but I also want to play audio clips. And, you know, is there a possibility of doing this with software? And if not... Um, or what hardware options are available and I tried to explain this I know that in my mind it makes perfect sense it, I mean, I've been doing this for so long. It it's like um, You know reciting the alphabet to me and and I had some feedback from several folks who said you know what? I listened to it cliff and I was following along right there in my mind no Problems at all. I really loved this geeky content, so I did get about four or five of those however Um, there, surprisingly, I got some feedback from somebody who did not hear my request at the end of the episode to give me your feedback about how you felt about that. But instead, uh, this person ended up stopping the episode, not listening to the rest and writing me an email and I'll just read it to you real quick. It says, Hey Cliff, let me start by saying that I am a huge fan of your show and your show is the number one podcast on my listening list. And it was one of my high points at Blog World that I was able to meet you and attend your session. That being said, I listen to your show from start to finish every week and often replay segments a second and third time. But your most recent episode, number 273, was the first time ever that I turned off a show before it finished. It went downhill for me when you answered the question from Kelsey. To me, your answer seemed long, overly specific, and hard to follow, and it was the first time you seemed unprepared. First of all, I just want to say it's it's shocking to say that that's the first time I've seen unprepared. It has been a while since I've come to Podcast Answer Man, quote unquote, unprepared. But uh, yeah, but anyways, he says it's the first time you seemed unprepared. Often giving information and links and then correcting yourself. You know, this is something, when I was giving links and then looking it up and then fixing, you know, finding out that was the wrong one and giving the right link, you're absolutely right. That right there, I just want to say for everybody listening, that should have been edited out and I forgot. I did forget to go back and edit that portion of that episode. So even that that's a standalone thing for me. When it, I used to do that quite a bit on Podcast Answer Man, and I had very much gotten out of the habit of doing that. Doing my research ahead of time, if I have a link, then by golly, I'm going to look it up. And if I'm looking it up and I get a link wrong while I'm in an episode, rather than doing the whole, you know, oh, let me see here, type it up, nope, that wasn't it, nope, that wasn't it. I understand that, you know what, I could get by with that. It You know, most people probably won't mind, but honestly, it makes me sound unprepared, and, and it does, you know, just take down the level of the quality of the production I wanna offer you guys a bit. I can get by, I can still be authentic, and I can still be transparent and real, but still edit out the junk that you don't have to have, you know, and, and here's the thing, I value your time. That's something that is a priority for me is to take your time that you give me each week seriously. So, by the way, I thank you for that. Anyway, he says, um, "When let's see here, which made it even harder for us to follow along. Please understand this is being offered as constructive criticism and not as an effort to be negative. Thank you for your show. I will continue to be a huge fan. So, I just want to say thank you for that feedback. I'm so thankful that you took the time to write this email to me even though you you stopped the episode. This is the kind of feedback that I needed. And to be honest with you, right with, and then I, and there I, did see, that. just did that again. That whole, to be honest with you. Okay, so everything else I've said so far has been a complete lie, but now I'm gonna be honest with you. No, anyway, I'm, eventually I'm gonna get that out of my vocabulary. But anyway, I wanna say that, what was I gonna say? Now I seem unprepared, don't I? No, I was going to say something. Oh, anyway. Thank you so much for for the email. It means a lot. Oh, I was going to say that um I I did, you know, halfway through the answer, I realized it was going downhill fast. And when I started to pull up URLs and was getting the wrong URLs, I realized, you know what? I'm just making this worse. And by the end of the episode, I had wanted to stop recording. <laughs> so I've I figured that there would be people out there who would want to stop listening. And because and the reason I knew this, and I, I knew for a fact there would be people who could follow along and everything I was saying to them, it just made perfect sense. As if I was telling them, you know, a Dr. Seuss story. It was no big deal. But I, I work with people all the time who are who haven't yet who haven't yet had this click for them. And 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 that really is that thing, you know. When we're talking about mixer mix minuses and super heavy technical stuff, this stuff isn't rocket science, and 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 stuff like that. It, it it is pretty basic stuff, but it takes a little bit for it to be a for you to be exposed to it. I believe it really does take a little bit of a visual aid to kind of you know draw and show you diagrams of what audio is going where and how it's going this and how we shut it off and stuff like that I mean it's not absolutely necessary but once you get it it's like it clicks it's not something that you 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 start to get and you slowly progressively understand mix minus more it's just like there's just this, this one moment in time where it's like oh that's what it's doing but explaining it in audio is something that was not really the right thing for me to do. And I will certainly uh, not go into detail on things where, honestly, the response to that question should have been you know what? That's going to require probably a one on one session. I, you know, I, I love answering as many questions. It's not like I'm trying to, you know, withhold the really valuable stuff so that you'll hire me. Uh, I really do have this value or this principle of you know give it all away. You know, I I I honestly don't believe for a minute that if I give you information for free in this podcast, that it will keep people from hiring me to give that same valuable information uh, and help them figure out how to apply that information to their you know per, you know personal situation. Or it you know if I give away all this information, it's not going to keep people from hire you know signing up for a podcasting A to Z course. Um, it, it, it's, it's just not that way, but there are times when I think I just need to say, you know what, that one's just not suitable for answering in an audio podcast. So there you go. That's my, that's my thoughts related to what I did last week. And for me taking things to the next level is to make sure that, you know, I, I, I bring the appropriate questions and the appropriate explanations and responses to the show. Now, as a result of doing that last week, I totally messed up because here's the deal. I'm sure that this person was not the only person who shut off the episode. I'm, I'm, I know this because I would have shut off that episode during my explanation of the multiple mix minuses and bringing in audio clips and all the different things and ways you could do it. So with that being said, that means that many people in the community did not hear my announcement right after that of my next upcoming podcasting A to Z course. That's right, I have already scheduled my next session. It's going to start on Monday, September 24th, and it is a four-week session, as always, and it will end on Friday, October 19th. Uh, last week, I played a testimonial from my great friend, Lourdes Wellhaven, and she had some wonderful things to say about it. If you want to know what she said, you can go back to episode 273, forward past that very long, detailed, overly complicated response to the Kelsey's question and then listen to that audio testimonial from Lourdes and you'll see the value that she got out of it. Had 32 people in my August or July 2012 session and a majority of those people A majority of those people are already in their third, fourth, and fifth podcast episode. I am so excited, and I happen to know that the other folks who had not yet completed their first episode are right around the bend. So uh, almost 30 new podcasts launched within the last 60 days absolutely awesome And if you want to be next I encourage you to sign up in fact I want to let you know that two people have already signed up for the September uh, session that starts on September 24th and here's something I'm going to tell you that number one I can give you $100 off if you use discount code PAM for podcast answer man discount code PAM in the shopping cart will get you $100 off and if you use discount code PAM you will also receive immediate access to every digital training tutorial that I have that will be included in the course. It, it you get it all immediately. Uh, you'll just I, I would just ask that you withhold any questions related to those materials until September twenty fourth. But uh, you sur- you could get a whole one month head start by signing up today, a discount of $100 using discount code PAM in the shopping cart. Just go to podcastinga2z.com for full details and more information. All right, the next thing I want to share with you, let's see how I'm doing on time, 14 minutes, I'm doing great, Uh, a lot of people are buzzing around the web, especially in my circles, the podcasting community, uh, about Apple who just got awarded a patent for techniques and systems for supporting podcasts, uh, and so basically, this was I think the unofficial Apple weblog, or uh, what what is T A W or T U A W? The unofficial Apple. Uh, website anyway uh, basically they reported that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office granted Apple another handful of patents this week according to Patently Apple. Among this group was patent U.S. Patent 8,245,924 that describes techniques and systems for supporting podcasting. Uh, These techniques include ways of hosting, accessing, subscribing, managing, transferring, and or playing podcasts. So um, I went in, I looked at this. I, By the way, I've, I've seen some of the things that people are saying out there. Uh, let me see if I can find some of those details for you. For example, Max Flight, he happens to be a member of the podcast community here. He says, this is why the patent system is broken and serves to work against the original intent of patents, to foster innovation by giving inventors an incentive. Read the patent itself if you can. It includes hardware, devices that can play podcasts, and software, systems to manage the download and transfer of episodes, i.e. iTunes. Uh, This strategic move by Apple, he says, this is a strategic move by Apple, Companies now build war chests of patents that they can use against others, either to attack a competitor or defend themselves when attacked. You sue me over technology A, and I'll sue you over technology B. Now Apple owns podcatchers and devices to play episodes. Anybody think that's a good thing? Well, I don't know if it necessarily says that they own podcatchers, and here is why. I did go in by the way, and read the entire patent this morning. And uh, I did take a couple of notes here. First and foremost is uh, where they explain what a podcast is. They had to, you know, kind of, before they talk about what their invention is, they need to explain what this is related to. And this is directly, word from word, from their description of podcasting, okay? First of all, they say podcasts are typically used to share content from websites that's the first thing they say number my my response to that is I completely disagree I don't think that podcasts are typically used to share content from websites um, that, that you know when I'm cr- creating this podcast this right here me speaking into this microphone this is not emanating from a website this is this is podcasts are typically used to share content from People from producers from the minds of individuals who have knowledge or wisdom or some kind of inform you know entertaining educational encouraging or inspirational content podcasts are typically much more than just content from websites delivered to people via RSS. Okay, I'm sorry, Apple. I disagree with you there. Okay, but anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to get that passionate. Yeah, I did. Anyway. So they say podcasts are typically used to share content from websites. I disagree. Now, the rest of this. He says podcasts are associated with really simple syndication, RSS for short, feeds, which use a lightweight XML format. This is absolutely true. Great explanation. A podcast can be organized in episodes much like a radio or television program. Absolutely true. An interested person can subscribe to receive episodes that are subsequently published. Okay? So here's here's what I want to tell you. When it comes to this patent, this is not saying that Apple invented the ability for somebody to subscribe to an RSS feed to get episodic content. They're already in their definition of what a podcast is and why they're actually applying for improved technologies uh, to support podcasting, they're actually explaining this all existed beforehand. All right. There, a matter of fact, we're going to get into some really good things here in a second. He says, an interested. okay, so uh, an interested person can subscribe to receive the uh, podcast episodes that are sub- subsequently published. So that already existed. That's already available before Apple before we as Apple are doing anything. He says this is achieved by the interested party using their computer to access a podcast web, a podcast website that hosts the RSS feed. The interested party person can subscribe to the RSS feed such as their computer uh, basically what it, their computer is going to do. They'll have software where the computer will occasionally revisit visit the podcast website to check for any new podcast episodes. This is already existing. Uh, Typically, if a new podcast episode is available, it's downloaded to the computer, already existing. Uh, Therefore, or thereafter, the interested user can play the podcast episode at their computer in the same manner as other audio files. And by the way, judging by the artwork of this and also the mention of a certain service or podcatcher, if you will, Uh, that uh, that was used a long time ago and isn't very popular today it makes me think that this patent was originally filed back in 2006 I'm almost positive of this and it's just taken in you know six years for them to get this thing approved so anyway he says thereafter they can you know get these things he says thereafter the interested party can play the podcast at their computer in the same manner as any other audio files He says, a utility program, or the patent application says, a utility program can be used to download the audio files to a portable media player, all right? And then he said, then the patent says, one example of such a conventional utility program or pre-existing software that existed before iTunes uh, gave us this ability. He said, it says, I keep saying he says. Uh, anyway, one example of such a conventional utility program is iPodder, which is a small program that runs on one's computer to download audio files to one's portable media player. Okay, now here. Okay, so all of this is existing. Now, I, I it's it's my understanding. Of course, I I am not an attorney. I don't understand patents at all. But from what I'm what I am reading, all of these things say you know it's Apple's not claiming that they invented any of the above none of that what they're saying is we we are actually we want to create a a program where we're going to do it a certain way all right he says that that it continues it says podcasts unfortunately podcasts are conventionally not easily managed on a host computer podcasts Often dynamically change as new episodes are released. Management of such dynamic media, uh, let's see here, media assets is complicated, and I completely disagree with that. Anyway, it says additionally, to the extent that the host computer desires to support a me- portable media player, the host computer needs to manage the transfer of the podcast data to the portable media player. Thus, there is a need for techniques to manage and use podcasts on computers. Now, um, the thing is is that there were already techniques to manage uh, subscriptions and there were already techniques to transfer them to portable media devices. They basically applied for a patent for how iTunes has been doing it for years. I I went in and I read the summary of the invention and and all of that stuff, and it just seems that they're saying, hey, we don't want somebody to create a clone of iTunes. We don't want somebody to create, a, a, a you know, for basically they don't want somebody who has been, you know, watching how iTunes has been doing podcasting for the last, you know, six years, and then all of a sudden creating something that looks exactly the same, does all of the same things. The only thing is, though, is that, you know, I mean, how else? I mean, they they only did it the, the logical way. And now all of a sudden they do happen to own this patent. Uh, and if you read through, it seems like, you know, well, wait a second. That's pretty much what a lot of other programs have been doing all of these years. So now that Apple owns the patent, what does this mean? I don't know what this is going to mean to anybody anywhere. Uh, the only thing that concerns me is I really don't like the app, the idea of Apple being the only company out there that has um, a stake in having a management system for subscribing to podcasts. I mean, what about Stitcher Radio? Does this affect Stitcher Radio? Does this, affect, obviously, unfortunately, Zoom software has not had the greatest system for submitting your podcast and and all of that stuff, but I mean, does does this affect does, you know Microsoft's ability to continue to support and, and the management and subscriptions and delivery of uh, files to mobile devices uh, for our podcast? What about BlackBerry? Although BlackBerry may not be around for forever, but um, does this avo- does this keep other companies? You know, for from doing this is is there could this be any could this have anything to do with the fact that Google stopped uh, uh, supporting the Google Listen application? You know, maybe getting catching wind that uh, Apple was about ready to win this patent is is that something that had anything to do with them dropping the support for the Google Listen app, which Google Listen was a, a pod catching or podcast subscription management software for, for Android devices. I don't know. I don't know. I All I can say is that, you know, I, I don't think that it's going to impact us anytime soon, but I just wonder how a patent like this awarded to Apple can stifle innovation of others creating even better techniques or, you know, basically what's required to manage... Uh, the subscription of podcasts but from another company and to innovate and take it to a whole new level does patent does does uh apple's patent mean that they own those improved technologies so i don't know we'll have to see how things go if i learn more if i hear more i'll certainly bring it to you guys but uh just wanted to share that with you And uh, we're going to switch things over here to some feedback from a listener. And this is going to be John Buchena, I believe. His last name is Buchena. Uh, We'll find out at the end of his voicemail here if I've pronounced that correctly. But anyway, I want to let you know that the topic here is are you creating life-changing content? You know, I, I often talk about the reason why we podcast. Why are you hitting the record button? For what purpose are you creating content? You know, and, and I'm sure that's going to be different for many people, but what I have found to be the content that I most, um, you know, am dr- most drawn to, the content that I've seen the most successful in building community and loyal fan bases are people who are in this not just for the money, but actually are in this to improve people's lives, to to share information, to benefit others, you know, and and not to say that they don't profit from that. I mean, obviously, I profit very much from creating content and even giving content away. Uh, it is a great way to market my products and services and other offerings that I have available. But it's not for those. For, it's not solely for the purpose of profit that I do what I do and. And you can go back to podcastanswerman.com slash W-H-Y, to hear an episode of this podcast that I did where I talked about the reason why I podcast and how sometimes I have to remind myself of the reason why because I lose my my way sometimes. I I, I shift my priorities in in the wrong direction. And uh, I got I got an email this week and and I oftentimes get emails from people that that are just extremely thankful for the content that I create. However, it I, it always stands out to me when I get an email that starts off with the phrase, "You know when you see something that is Dear Cliff, you know when you see something that is life-changing? That's what happened to me today. It was finding your when I found your website. So th- that right there immediately says, "Whoa, hold on. I I need to take notice here." Now, here's the situation. I got this I got this email from John and I, I was just blown away. It's like, wow, this is this is an affirmation of why I'm podcasting. This is why I'm creating this content. You know, this is why I think it's important for everybody to know what is possible out there with this, you know, new media. You know, some people think, well, gosh, doesn't everybody know how to podcast now? No, not everybody does. People out there still today need somebody like myself and perhaps some of you out there who are out there sharing the, the message of podcasting and how to do it and, and all of this stuff. So here's the, here's the other thing before I get into this email and I want to go through the story uh, and pull out some points that really speak to my heart as it relates to why I create this content. But uh, the other thing is, is I want you to not only think, you know, am I creating life-changing content the other thing is, is do you understand the importance of just one listener, the just one download? Because here's the thing, it, 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 the biggest thing that gets under my skin, it just makes my skin crawl, is when I hear a producer say, I only have X number of people who are listening to my show. I only have 300 people. and And you guys have heard me complain about this over and over and over again. But come on, I mean, if you can, if your content is life-changing and you have 10 people, I, I, I have to think there's some value in that. And it just really irks me when I get somebody who is out there, they're creating content, they've created 30 episodes, they've got 300 subscribers, and they just say, just don't know if it's worth it. Just not sure. Only 300 people. You know, that that really gets under my skin, you know, and I understand that, you know, wanting to, you know, grow your audience, uh, extend your reach. But let's let's think about the value of just one person. So John and I had some great email exchanges back and forth. Oh, by the way, sometimes when people come to me and say, hey, Cliff, I've been podcasting for let's just say I've been podcasting for six months. I've created uh, two episodes a week every week and even today i only have you know 200 subscribers to my podcast and people some people think i'm joking when i say this but they they say i want to hire you to teach me how to grow my audience and my immediate response via email is this so you say you have about 200 people per episode that are downloading your show here's what i want you to do do me a favor go out make a list of the first name last name and a minimum of two personal details about that person. First name, last name, email address, and two, per- actually three, so first name, last name, email address, and two personal details. And I'm talking about what does that person do for a living? Where does that person live? How many kids do they have? You know, what's what's their background? T- tell me, a, I wanna know two personal details, all right? And and I say, you just get that for 50 people. If you get that for 50 people, then contact me again, and we'll schedule an appointment. All right. So you have 200. I just need that for 50 people. First name, last name, email, and two personal details. All right, Find that, put that list together, call me, We'll ske- or email me. We'll schedule a time for a call, and I will help you take you take this to a level you never dreamed possible. And of course, do you know how many of those people ever uh, reach you know reach back to me? None. And and the reason why is number one, number one, it's because they did it and they didn't need to hire me or number two, they just thought I was crazy and I'm fine either way. But here's here's the thing, I'm going to go ahead and play John's voicemail or actually because I, I, I emailed back and forth with John, I asked him if he minded if I shared this and he was so excited and I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you're that excited about me sharing it, would you be willing to record you know, I don't care if it's word for word. I would love to have exactly this content uh, in my show, and I really don't like to read emails. So here's John's recording of the email he sent to me.
1: Hi, Cliff. You know, when you see something life changing, well, that happened to me today. I found your website. This is the backstory of my life right now. I hope I don't bore you too much. I'm a 50 year old, unemployed, divorced father of four children. In 1987, at the age of 25, I quit my job in the industrial painting business and went to college to become a radio talk show host. In two years, I was the general manager of a college radio station, and I had the most popular nighttime radio program at the station. In 1988, I took a summer job driving a truck for an elevator company. In September, I continued to drive three days a week and attend classes. February of 1989, I was offered an apprenticeship in the elevator repair business that would turn into a career where I could make over $100,000 a year. One problem. My two biggest fears in life? Electricity and heights. Not a great combination for someone who has to work with electricity in high places. Well, I took the job. The money was good, and I just had to overcome my fears. The next 19 years, I worked my way up to be a respected elevator mechanic and troubleshooter and run a maintenance route in Philadelphia. A work injury to my knee in March of 2006 made it impossible to continue repairing elevators. I was put on light duty for eight weeks, and while I was on light duty, the branch manager saw supervisor potential in me. I knew my knee couldn't take the grind of working in a field, so I accepted the supervisor position. The problem was I hated my job. I was depressed, so I ate. I gained weight. I stopped walking, which made things worse. It was a snowball effect. I gained 200 pounds from July of 2007 to January of 2010. I was 10 pounds away of being 500 pounds. I thought my life couldn't get worse. Marriage, horrible. Career, horrible. Health, horrible. But I was wrong. In May of 2011, my wife and I decided to separate. Then in June of 2011, my company was purchased by another elevator company and my job was eliminated. It took me seven months to find another job in the elevator business doing the exact same job I hated. Hey, I didn't complain, it was a job. But little did I know the company that hired me was in major trouble. I was working 14 hours a day, six days a week, trying to catch up. I didn't complain. It was a job. My boss, who used to have my position, was promoted to a new position. Then my boss realized he hated his job and he wanted his old job back. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. In just five months, I was let go again. Maybe that was a sign. I always wanted to be a talk show host. I heard of podcasting when I bought my Sirius Radio. Adam Curry had a podcast show once a week. It was a bunch of podcasts they would play almost like records. One was a brother and sister talking about their school. Another one was about hurricanes. The topics were all over the place. And I didn't understand the concept of podcasting. That was until I bought my iPhone. I started downloading podcasts that interested me. I got the itch to broadcast again, but I didn't know how. Until today. I will start a podcast. Right now I'm on a very tight budget but I wind up having a studio like yours. I will scrape the money together to take your podcasting A to Z course. We will be getting to know each other in the near future. I just wanted to introduce myself. Thanks for listening, Cliff. John Buchanis.
0: John, thank you so much. Number one, for the email, and number two, for taking the time to download the iTalk application, which by the way, John learned about from learnhowtopodcast.com and he recorded that for me so that i could provide that and he asked me if i had any feedback uh, related to the to the story and and i said i'll tell you what listen to episode 274 and you'll hear my feedback and john i just number one i appreciate you man i appreciate the fact that that you listened and and to, or that you found my site i'm so excited that you did and i appreciate the fact that you are one Really awesome listener to to Podcast Answer Man. You're the type, you're one of those people that I definitely want to reach out there in this world with this message of sharing your voice with the world. So if you ask for my feedback and I want to provide it. So first of all, an amazing opening that just really made my day. When when somebody tells me that the content that I'm creating is life-changing, that it's changing your life just by the fact that you found my website. And by the way, he found my website Yesterday, Wednesday, August twenty second, or it might have been it might have been Tuesday, August twenty first. But anyway, he just found my website this week. I mean, and and it's and it's having a profound impact on his life. Do you know what that means for me? It, it's like that that right there. It's just like wow. That that means to that means more to me than all of the digital tro- you know digital product sales that I made this week. Now I'm not complaining about the digital training product sales. Uh, in fact, I noticed that uh, John's already purchased two of them. Uh, so thank you for that too, John. But anyway, the the thing is, is that it the the email that lets me know what I'm doing is having a positive impact on somebody else's life. This is this is amazing. Um, not to mention the fact that you know I talk about you know people say Gosh, Cliff, that's that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. No, well, nobody's ever actually said these words, but I know that they're thinking them. Gosh, Cliff, that's a stu- how on the heck am I supposed to ever get somebody's first name, last name, email address, and two personal details of fifty of my listeners? Well, my friends, if you're creating the kind of content that I'm talking about, that changes people's lives, that gives them hope, and 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 instills in them some kind of inspiration these people will not you won't need to go and and fish for this information you'll get it It, you'll get an email that starts with this is the backstory of my life right now I hope you I hope I don't bore you with all of the details I'm a 50 year old unemployed divorced father of four children from the ages of 14 to 10 you'll get details okay the question is this do you care Do you care about those details? I personally, I do. I do care about those details. Do I have the opportunity to to actively engage with every single person who writes me their life story? Not at this level, no. But one of the things that I learned from my great friend Michael Hyatt, and I'm sure he may have heard it from somewhere else, but uh, I know that I attribute it to Michael Hyatt is, do no actually, and it, actually, Michael Hyatt may have got it from Andy Stanley, and then I heard it from Andy Stanley because uh, I went and found that episode. But do for one what you wish you could do for many. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, and and I tried to to make that, and that's why I'm doing it here. Anyway, so here's a couple things about the details. You know what? You know what are what are in these details that John said. Was that just a boring, long, non-podcast related uh, voice message to you guys? Uh, or did you hear the valuable information? Number one, in 1987, at the age of 25, he quit his job in the industrial painting business, and he actually even said it was a family business. All right, So, so in 1987, at the age of 25, he quit the family business. Now, for me personally, I know what that feels like. I know the difficult decision it takes to actually leave a family business. He says at the age of 25, when he left the family business, he went to college for one purpose, to become a radio talk show host. So why did he leave his family business? Because he had a great desire, a desire enough to pay and to go to college at age 25 to become a radio talk show host. So there's his passion. That's that oh, this is what I want to do with my life kind of thing. Was he good at it? Well, he says that he had, basically, he says that within two years, he was the general manager of the college radio station, and he had one of the two most popular nighttime radio programs at the station. So he's already moving up. Now, he's going to college, you know, so he's making, so he's doing a job, right? And by the way, I have not talked to John at all. All I have is his email and that recording and see you see how I'm putting the picture together here. So this is a guy who's left his business family business at the age of twenty five says, you know what? I, I, and by the way, I'm sure that they, what you're gonna leave this family business to go do what? I, I'm sure that he probably got a little bit of that or a lot of bit of that to go to college so he can become a radio talk show guy. Come on, seriously. So he's in college. He's trying to make money. So he's out there. He took a summer job in 1988, uh, driving a truck for an elevator company. In September, they asked him to stay on a couple bit, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, they said, "You know what? I tell you what. You, you we think that you can go far in this business. Uh, we're gonna offer you. You, you can make over a hundred thousand dollars a year." And, uh, you know, here he is probably in college, you know, trying, it's like there no promise of a radio job, no promise of this. And, and wow, this, this seems to be quite the security that I think I would need to actually create a good life, you know? And so basically I took the job because the money was good is what he says, you know, the pro the promise of a, of, of a great check, you know? And so what does he do? He works there. He works there in this elevator company for 19 years climbing the ladder becoming of somebody who is extremely popular in this industry in his own industry the only thing is he you know he, it wasn't the job that he loved in fact he 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 only did it for the money he had to overcome a fear of heights and a fear of playing around with electric electricity uh, just so that he could do the job, but he, the you know, the chasing after the money was enough for it for him. So for, for 19 years he did this, and he was doing pretty good. But then he had a knee injury, and his knee injury the prob- uh, land got him to the place where he couldn't do that specific job anymore. So he took on a supervisory role, and he hated that job. But it was the only thing he could do in that same industry that he's known for 19 years of his life. And, and uh, he became a supervisor. The only thing is, is he hated the job so much that he became depressed uh, and, and he ate, uh, gaining lots of weight, uh, gaining almost 200 pounds within a three-year period of time, and, or two-and-a-half-year period of time, just shy of 500 pounds. This I'm thinking of somebody like, you know, you might see on The Biggest Loser. Uh, he says, "My life was a wreck. My marriage is horrible. My job is horrible. My health is horrible." And and let me tell you, this is not uncommon. I see this in people. I I was almost this guy. I was almost you, John. I, literally, I, I I was in a family business. I hated my job. I I despised it. I was gaining weight. Um, you know, and and all of this stuff. I I, I so know where you're coming from. And he says, and you know, I thought things were as bad as they could get, but then, you know, th- you know, with all of this stuff going on in his life, obviously marriage wasn't in the greatest shape. They ended up separating in May of 2011. In June, the company was bought, and then they let him go. After 19 years, they let him go. Uh, then he, he he searches for seven months, looking for another place where he could do the job that he hates. <laughs> I, and this is not uncommon either. This is I, I see this a lot. Um, and and so uh, you know he finds he finds a job after seven months and works there for five more months and one thing leads to another and the next thing he knows, you know after all the hard work and by the way, I don't know if you caught it, but working 14 hours a day, six days a week to try and catch up. and uh, and then all of a sudden just because somebody who had his position before him wanted it back, he's let go again. So I love how he says, you know, maybe this is a sign, you know, and and when you think about I I think the sign wasn't necessarily the what happened in 2011, 2012. Uh, I I don't think that that's the sign. I I think the sign was the fact that at age 25, John, you left your family business and the, the security of what that offered to you. To go to college to become a radio guy to get behind a microphone and share your voice with the world. I think that was I think that was the sign. But uh, you know I understand how the other signs, which are dollar signs, can cloud our view of of what we should be doing in our life. Anyway, he says that uh, the pa- basically the passion that he had was still there. Uh, in 1987, he did what I was just talking about. But he said there, he says here. Uh, um. Oh. Anyway, he talked about the passion that's still there. He says, "I always wanted to be a talk show host." I heard about podcasting when he bought it. When he bought his uh, Sirius Radio, he said, "He Adam Curry. If you guys don't know, Adam Curry was one of the co-creators of the technology of podcasting, along with Dave Weiner and some folks. They got together and thought of all this stuff about how we could attach enclosures, media enclosures, and deliver audio files." Via RSS. It was not Apple. Uh, but anyway, um, he Adam Curry at the time said, you know what? I'm going to, we're going to take this money that we have and we're going to get a channel on XM Satellite Radio or Sirius Radio. It was just Sirius Radio, I guess. Anyway, uh, we're going to get a channel and we're just going to take podcasts and, and broadcast them one right after another. And so he says, you know, he found this brother and sister talking about school one day and then there were other podcasts, you know, and, and he understood. But he had, he didn't understand what podcasting was or, you know, anything about the whole portable on demand. You can play it, you know, what you want, when you want, how much content was out there. You know, this is just a playlist of somebody else that's just playing stuff, what they liked, what Adam Curry liked um, from his network. So anyway, he said he began to understand podcasting however when he got his iphone then he started to download the podcasts that interest him now this is a story that i hear over and over again it's like wow when i finally had a and it does today it's not even just a smartphone or an iphone it could be any smartphone that where somebody teaches them podcasting but man once they start to understand what a podcast is and what it can offer they start downloading those podcasts that interest them and then all of a sudden he said I got the itch to broadcast again. That 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 dormant desire that caused me to leave my job when I was 25 years old, it was still there. I wanted to broadcast again, but I didn't know how. He says that uh I didn't know how until today. And that was when he found learnhowtopodcast.com. And basically he i get he's sharing with me that I have this awesome privilege and this honor of bringing hope to a dream that he had back in what was that nineteen eighty seven and so he says, "I will start a podcast right now. it will have to be on a very tight budget at first, but I think that I'll end up having a studio just like yours. I will scrape some money together and take your A to z course. I will set up a studio." and we will be getting to know each other in the future. And he says, he ends his email, I just wanted to introduce myself. Well, John, I am so thankful for you introducing yourself. And thank you so much for being an example, an example for me to share with my community here of just what's possible when one person out there is touched by the content that we create. And this, my friends, is why I believe the world needs people who have a message to share their voice with the world. I don't know if yours will be sharing how to podcast with the world, but is there something that you know how to do that is either entertaining, that you can uh, have educational content? Can you do something that's encouraging? Can you do something that will inspire others to take action, positive changes in their lives? If so, why aren't you yet podcasting? All right, why not? Go over to learnhowtopodcast.com. Start out there. That's the foundation. It's the first place. And if you decide down the road you want to take it to a whole new level, then consider going to, a to Z.com. But, you know, here, here's the thing. I want to encourage people out there, if you're listening to me, don't ever say only so many subscribers. Don't ever say that because you don't know how many Johns are out there listening to you. And those people are important. John, thank you for the content. Thank you for the, the voicemail. Thank you for the email. And I do look forward to following your story. I shared this story. I shared the email with my podcast mastermind organization. We have 40 members of the podcast mastermind. And uh, I shared it with them. And they said, Cliff, you've got to follow his story. You've got to keep us informed. We want to see this from beginning to end. So here we go. The beginning of the story is episode 274, and I can tell you this, that he he actually spent the day on my site going through learnhowtopodcast.com. He understands how to use the iTalk application, turn it into an MP3, and send it to me for voicemail feedback and playing, so that I could play the audio clip that I just played for you. He already has purchased WordPress for Podcasters over uh, at podcastanswerman.com slash products, he's already purchased the thesis theme tutorial. So I know that he's already creating the content and I hope that John, you'll t- touch base with me in about two or three weeks uh, uh, to, to let me know where people can find your podcast. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to letting people know. And the reason why I say two or three weeks is because I'm taking the week off next week. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But I'll tell you what my friends, it is time for our social media segment this week. We have Eric Fisher on the line, standing by. Eric, what do you have for us this week?
2: Well, we are going to talk about how Twitter continues to make changes, even leading to online
0: protests. Online protests. I have been seeing this left and right, my friends. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Occupy Twitter.
0: Occupy Twitter.
2: Somebody wrote that as as a hashtag. Anyways, yes, the the rules for Twitter's third-party API has been changing. They've been changing this... Well, we've we've even talked about this on segments on this show. In most recent memory, the the mo- one that was the most was uh, LinkedIn, as well as Instagram. Well, we've gotten a full blown, you know, account of that. Some different third party uh, content creators or or application creators, I should say, for Twitter have started to speak out on this.
0: Yeah, I, now I know that Tumblr. I uh, just announced today on their blog or, uh, yeah, today on their blog yeah, uh, that, you know, they've been cut off from have allowing Tumblr clients to find their friends on Twitter because of the uh, the API. In fact, t- Tumblr says, to our dismay, Twitter has restricted our users' ability to find friend- Twitter friends on Tumblr. Given our history of embracing their platform, this is especially upsetting. Our syndication feature is responsible for hundreds of millions of tweets, and we eagerly enabled Twitter cards across 70 million blogs and 30 billion posts as one of Twitter's first partners. While we're delighted by the response to our integrations with Facebook and Gmail, we are truly disappointed by Twitter's decision. That yeah. is from Tumblr.
2: Yes. And and there's actually a quote here from the Twitter spokesperson about the Instagram where you would try the find Twitter friends feature was disabled. Yeah. And at the time the Twitter spokesman, spokeswoman, I should be fair, says we understand that there's great value associated with Twitter's follow graph data, and we can confirm that it is no longer available within Instagram. Hmm. And that's all they said.
0: That's it. Yep. Well, anyway, they you know this goes beyond just cutting off the friends, you know, the find your friends feature, right? But, but it also goes to some other changes to their it, API.
2: Yeah, it literally now extends to actual third-party Twitter clients themselves. Instagram wasn't necessarily a Twitter client, Tumblr either, uh, neither was LinkedIn. However, you know, for example, our favorite Twitter client. TapBot, or not TapBot? TapBot is the one that rule, that owns it. It's TweetBot, um, is now going to be affected by this.
0: Yeah, um, and and all. Third-party Twitter all third-party
2: Twitter applications.
0: So uh, basically, the they said that um, Twitter unveiled some. This, by the way, I'm reading this from Mashable. Twitter unveiled some of the upcoming changes to the version 1.1 of its API that could have a drastic impact on the services third-party ecosystem. As promised, Twitter is squeezing the knot around the neck of third-party Twitter <laughs> apps that mimic Twitter.com with a more stringent set of API rules. The changes in Twitter are designed to foster a consistent Twitter experience from platform to platform, which basically we can read that as if we're gonna put ads in our Twitter ecosystem, our ads must also show up in your device. Yeah um, And also it says here that uh, they used to have this thing called uh, rules and now are no guidelines, but now the now the guidelines are called rules. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, those clients that do not he- adhere to the rules like proper scaling for device could have their application key revoked. Um, to, 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 similarly, all of these apps have to be certified by Twitter before pre-installation, uh, say prior to consumer delivery. Failure to do so could result in an application key revocation. Twitter may also be twi- here's, here's the big one. Twitter may also be seeking to limit the number of users these third-party tools can have. Its last rules of the road update says that developers who need a large number of user tokens will have to work directly with Twitter to acquire them. The company does acknowledge that some third-party developer apps are already past the new limits and will work with them, but only to a point. When they grow to 200% of their current size, they'll need to get an okay from Twitter to go further.
2: Yeah. I don't know, my so, friend. Uh, sounds like somebody's getting a little too big for their britches, if you ask me.
0: Well, you, it seems to me that they're they're burning the bridges yeah. from the people who made Twitter what it is,
2: and are con- are continually and currently doing so because, as as this news been, was coming out, I went over to the iOS. I went to iTunes. I went to type in Twitter, and it brought up all the Twitter apps for iOS, and There's the Twitter for iPhone and Twitter for iPad. There's Hootsuite. There's like Echo Phone. There's our favorite TweetBot. And all the third-party apps are rated higher than Twitter's own app. Yeah. Which is sad because they just don't... I I personally, personal opinion, I feel Twitter does not understand that the reason these third-party apps are potentially just making them jealous is that they're outdoing them. is because they're not spending time making their own apps or own experience what
0: it should be right and well and the thing is is they've given people the tools saying hey we encourage you to create these tools <laughs> right. you know go and do this and 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 they've done it and i think it's great the you know you and i have argued for a long time and and i know some other people it's like you know what why don't you charge people who if if your big deal is you want to make money and you need to have the advertisements show up everywhere exactly the way the advertisement mm-hmm. should be you know, why Why not forgo the ad model and offer a paid service? I, yeah. I would pay 50 bucks a year. I'd pay 100 bucks a year for the use of Twitter if you gave me some additional features that were above and beyond, you know, just what's available for free and keep what's available, What's what makes Twitter work still, make that available to people for free and and give extra features.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. If if there was a monetary value to apply to Twitter that you know you had to pay this to be able to use it, and you have either this certain amount of tweets for the entire you know bay, pill, you know billing cycle or for the year or whatever you want to call it, cool. Or you know you know like how Buffer did it when they first came out, you had a certain amount of accounts, certain amount of tweets, certain amount of this and that, and and bells and whistles. And the more you paid, the more bells and whistles you got. I'm I am totally cool with that. Twitter is worthwhile to me, but with all this news, like I'm starting to have my doubts about them potentially being one of the next ones to move the way of my space, that, Honestly,
0: you know i i don't I don't like to be this the sky is falling guy. Uh, I don't either, uh, and, and I and I typically don't do that. And and to be honest with you, I mean, honestly, how you and I know about this we're super ultra geeks we're reading mashable and and we're we're connected to other geeks but you know really are all the justin bieber, justin bieber fans are they going to even know this that is the problem you know that this is going on oh no honestly i mean probably for the
2: average user to be honest i think the average user really is using either the twitter.com site or a native literal twitter for whatever device you have
0: app right and the and what makes Twitter so appealing for me is the number and the reason why I haven't really taken Google Plus seriously, uh, and I think that this is applicable both ways is the fact that number one, not everybody that I know is on Google Plus, and number two, Google Plus doesn't have any cool third party applications, and they don't allow me to, you know, post from another service. You know, like for example, if I took an Instagram picture, I can't post that to Google Plus. So, yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I think that Twitter is, you know, they're cranking things down. They 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 want people to use their own services, stuff like that, but um, I don't know. I I I'm not crazy about this. And I think long term unless unless some things change, I think that uh, it could be the beginning of the end for the more technically savvy people. I think Twitter could could I don't I, I think this will stifle innovation for them. I think all innovation, innovation that's happened for Twitter, every bit of it has happened as a result of third party or the user base.
2: Oh, most definitely. I mean, we've seen this in the past with the fact that there was no, there was no such thing as a hashtag, no such thing as retweets. Those were all from the users. Yeah. And and Twitter
0: adopted them. Yeah. So, and, and they adopted them officially after third party developers had found ways to incorporate them and program for them, so the whole hashtag thing I, that was available in in third party applications well before it was available inside of uh, you know Twitter. Yeah, so, uh, you know, same thing with the retweets. The the other thing is you know they had to buy summarize. Remember summarize, which was search, which today is search.twitter.com. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, all of the, that was a third party application that mm-hmm. that probably would not be offered an API token today. Well, and the the
2: fact that there was no official Twitter iOS app; it was Tweety, and they bought it and then rebranded it, and now that's what Twitter for iPhone is. Yeah,
0: remember? I do. I that it, was our go to app back in the day. So here's the thing. You know, we I have been using Facebook more and more these days. Uh, I told you that I unlinked my two accounts. Yes. And I find myself as a result of that getting a ton more engagement because now I'm, you know, I usually post something to, to Twitter. I'll tweak it differently for Facebook and I'll tweak it, you know, a little bit differently for LinkedIn. And I post it in those three places. Hey, one
2: quick thought. I think another potential reason why you're getting more Facebook, aside from you're doing it the right way, (laughs) <laughs> is you're putting less just plain old tweet text there and then that's the opportunity for people to ignore it which then tells the edge rank feed well, your your friends have ignored that so they don't need to see as much of your stuff. Right, exactly.
0: You're not training the edge rank to make people ignore your stuff. the The only thing is though is I have found myself not posting as much as a result of all of this. You but know, you're getting more engagement. But I'm getting more engagement on the things that I do post. So I, I guess it's, it's... So where's the downside? You're doing I, less and getting more, Cliff. I, I understand that. But the downside is there are sometimes it's like, you know what? I would love to send out a tweet right now. Yeah. But I'm not going to send out a tweet because then you know there's going to be some people on Facebook that won't get it. And I don't really want to go and find an image. And I don't want to put out a tweet on... I don't want to put a status update without an image. You know what? I'm just not going to put out anything right now. And 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 you know what? There's probably a ton of people out there really needed to know what I had for dinner last night. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, that's true. I really needed to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. You know that I'm just kidding about that, obviously. But I have found myself not tweeting or status updating as much, and 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 curating the things that I share a whole lot more, which I think probably is a much more valuable thing overall.
2: I I would truly think it is. I think that's a step that i myself am trying to move towards especially with having more margin in my life and not feeling like i'm a slave to the tools right so
0: well uh, i just another part of the story is uh, the fact that app.net if you yes. if you go to join.app.net they actually created their own self-funded kind of kickstarty kickstarter kind of thing uh, and they were fully funded. I, I don't know what they ha- ended up re- reaching, but I know they were over six hundred thousand dollars. And you can actually reserve an account today if you go to join.app.net for fifty dollars. You can be a member. It's one full year of service on app.net. And for one hundred dollars, you could have a de- a developer key. You know, mm-hmm. so you can be working on creating stuff like that. But it's an it is a paid service and. You know, Eric, there's a part of me that wants to go jump on board app.net just because I know that it's going to be the geekiest of the geekiest of my friends.
2: Yeah. Well, part of it really appeals to me. When When you listen, I mean, there's a video there. It's like three and a half minutes, so you probably shouldn't play the audio. But it really does a great job of explaining what this is, is that essentially when you're a social network that, Exists for free, then you exist for make. You, you still have to make money, so your first concern is actually to make money, not to serve your customers. Your co- in other words, your customers are the the ad makers, the marketers, etc., yeah. not the consumer. But when you make the consumer pay, and in this case, uh, fifty dollars for a year, you make them pay to use the service. Then the service becomes much more in the hands of, well, they're paying us. We need to do what they say. We need to make this a real awesome user experience. I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I've said it here today. I've said it a 100 times before. You know, if Twitter would charge me, you know, for a service, I would pay for it. And here's this opportunity for $50. Now, the thing is, is what App.net does not have is App.net does not have all of my users it doesn't all my have people all, yeah it doesn't have all my friends but it does have what twitter had at the very beginning which is the the number of people that i had you know it, it, when i started out with twitter you know but the thing is is of course i would you know i wonder if i would want stephanie to get on there as well and so that's you know another 50 bucks there and yeah and stuff like and, that i don't know it join.app.net i would love to know in our comment section just go to two seven four. And tell us, did you get a join? Did you go to join.app.net and sign up for an account? I know that uh, Ryan Azal was on there. I know that Leo Laporte's on there. I know a bunch of other people that I know are on there. So I don't know. I, I haven't All the people that jumped on Google Plus first. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I have not done it yet, and um, not sure that I will. But I'm interested to find out what other people think.
2: I want to know more first I want to know that if I put stuff on there and I and I make it public that you don't have to be a user and paid 50 bucks to be able to see my stuff well, if I want it to be public okay.
0: well here's the thing go to join.app.net and it's got the app.net community Leo Laporte's the first picture there so click on Leo Laporte so there's a oh, good point so there's alpha.app.net slash leo Laporte and uh, it's got his image there and uh, yeah it, it looks like you can. Yeah, I see and everything. Kind of looks Twittery. It looks very much like Twitter. The only thing is, it's like, dude, where's the threaded comments? If you're gonna make it something, yeah. come on, let's fix the one thing Twitter hasn't got right yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, cool! And they have a directory of third party third party apps already. Well,
2: and and here's the thing: Buffer just announced that they already have uh, integration with App.net. Sweet so
0: i don't know maybe 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 i'm holding out i'm holding out because i don't know why honestly <laughs> i don't know i you know I, here's the thing it, it It could be the it could be the one thing that i it's lo- the question is can they at some point offer a free version that that mm-hmm. that would be the one thing that i mean obviously i would sign up today But I don't know if I would actually pay $50 for Stephanie. Well, if Stephanie wanted it, I would. But obviously, there's no reason for Stephanie to have it at this point. Not enough of her. Anybody that follows her would be on it. Most of them wouldn't. Uh, But anyway, you know, I'm not going to pay $50 for each of my three kids to be on it. So the question is, is, is there a way for people to have a free account in the future once they get into like a beta or an open system? You know, will they have enough paid users? But then they have enough, you know, enough of the free stuff to give people the ability to to do get their feet wet. Yeah, to get their feet wet. To or to to be first at least, one's free. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not the first one's free, but maybe you know, hey, you can have one status update per day. is yeah. Is your huh. it, on your free account? Or you can have you know for free, you can have up to you, know, you can have up to one hundred followers. Or you can, you know, for free, you can follow up to, you know, 50 people. You, you see how you can limit it in that way? And it still isn't going to take the the casual user that you would want to interact with you and stuff like that. And, and there's a lot of people who would be served well by having a limit of followers of, you know, whatever I just said. And a limit of, you know, 50 people that you can follow. Yeah. Is that all that makes that all makes sense? Oh yeah, think. yeah, definitely. So anyway, Tweetbot, by the way, says, "Hey, no worries here, guys. We're totally okay. Keep calm and tweet on." They say, "Yeah." Uh, and I think that they they pretty much have to say that is because, well, hello, that that's their business. It's <laughs> do you know how much money they have tied up into Tweetbot, and they want people to stay on there. They said there's been a lot of fear. This is from t- Tapbots. Um, there's been a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt generated by Twitter's latest announcement. Announcement. I want to let everyone know that the world is not ending. Tweetbot for Mac is coming out soon. Tweetbot for iOS isn't going anywhere. Um, and and that's great to hear. That make because obviously that's my that is my Twitter account. That's my Twitter third party client. Yeah, and mine mine as well. So I'm glad to hear that they're not going anywhere. I know that they're way over. The you know the one hundred thousand thing and right and they which said, is
2: great how whatever their really 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 large number right now is they have to grow to two hundred percent of that before Twitter has to step in and start doing whatever
0: right but uh, here the thing is though is I don't I don't suspect we'll see a lot of innovation in third party apps which has been the greatest source of innovation for Twitter since its beginning mm-hmm. so they are, they'll have to innovate from within. And uh, maybe, they've, maybe they can do that, so I don't know. I, I'm not here asking everybody to, to do a mass exodus of Twitter. I don't plan on doing an exodus of Twitter at all. I am, however, very interested in a more, uh, a, a more intimate community uh, with join.app.net, and I might sign up. So Eric, before we get off the line here, I want to ask you to share with the world what you've been working on.
2: Well, what I've been working on is launching a new podcast.
0: Eric Fisher, you're going to have a podcast of your own? Of my, of, of my
2: very own, actually, for the very first time. Sweet. So tell us a little bit about it. All right. Well, it's called Beyond the To-Do List, Personal Productivity Perspectives. And essentially, it's me having conversations with successful friends and personal heroes about how they manage their time, prioritize their tasks, and take steps to avoid burnout. Sweet.
0: Well, I, I just and love- first episode is interview with you. I, and I appreciate that. I had a fun time in that first episode sharing a little bit about how I organize and prioritize my life. And I noticed that Andy Traub is episode number two, which is very yep. cool. And I'm certain that uh, your list will continue to grow. And where can people find that again? Beyond the to-do list.com. All right, so if you guys are out there looking for some uh, content that will inspire you on how to better prioritize and get your life uh, to where where it's maybe got a little bit more margin or you become a little bit more productive or you just want to have some inspiration on how to live life to its fullest. I encourage you to check it out. Thank you so much, Eric. No problem. Thank you. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap up what has turned out to be quite a lengthy episode of Podcast Answer Man, but that's okay because I want to let you guys know I will not be here next week. That's right. No Podcast Answer Man episode for the final week in August. I will be in the Arlington, Texas area at the Catholic New Media Conference. There's still time. If you want to sign up, you can go to Catholic new media conference.com. I am going to be doing the keynote speech on Wednesday, August 29th. So uh, if you want to join me there at the conference, I would love to have you there. Anyway, uh, just a reminder, no podcast next week. Uh, Real quickly, I want to just give you an update about my own business technology. This is something I want to kind of incorporate from time to time in the show. And that is that I have been using Mountain Lion on all of my machines, including this main production machine now for several weeks and haven't had a single issue to report. No issues, no compatibility problems. That includes another machine that does all my live video stream. Everything seems to be working just fine. So... There may still be some, you know, crazy software inconsistencies. If you haven't ever done so, go to RoaringApps.com. Again, that's RoaringApps, R-O-A-R-I-N-G-A-P-P-S.com. And you can check the compatibility of maybe some of the software that you use. Uh, Let's see here. Also, want to say thank you to... Uh, the folks who used my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for a hosting account at Bluehost, each time you do that, I do receive a very generous commission. So I want to say thank you to the gentleman behind uh, the website, letsreverseobesity.com. And I went there this morning and saw a quite an interesting header. And it said in the first post, podcast coming soon. So again, that's at let's reverse Totally awesome. Looking forward to seeing what happens there. And then also, also there was somebody who signed up for a certain uh, fantasy football site. However, I'm not going to put a link to it. There's a picture of two naked women uh, in the background of the site, but it is really somebody, it is somebody who used my affiliate code to sign up for a Bluehost account. And it very much really is a fantasy football website, but I'm just not going to tell you the URL. Uh, But I just want to say thank you for those of you who are using my Bluehost affiliate link. And also, speaking of affiliate links, uh, thank you for each and every one of you who are going through B&H Photo Uh, and clicking through my banner or my links on my site at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. Anytime you click on a link with B&H and get to their site, I earn a commission there. And so far, folks have purchased $6,287 in equipment in the last two weeks. So thank you, guys.